Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN. ESPN.com Giants reporter. And we're here with the bye week episode. Also, also happens to coincide with the trade deadline episode because the trade deadline passed on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, and the Giants did nada, zilch, zero. They did trade Kadarius Tony late last week, did that on Thursday. So the final tally on the 6-2 and two Giants is they got rid of a receiver. So think about that for a second, right? They're getting rid of a player at a position of immense great need. What do you think the New York Giants thought of Kadarius Tony at this point? They are without any competent wide receiver, basically, right? They are so shorthanded at the position. And I say that tongue-in-cheek. Like, we know Darius Slayton can play a little bit. Wondell Robinson is a promising young player. But the Giants, overall, very weak at wide receiver. And they got rid of a wide receiver. That's what this organization thought of Kadarius Tony, who was completely unreliable to them every step along the way, right? Think about it. He didn't show up to the start of the offseason program. When it gets out there that the Giants had dangled him, or at least had trade discussions, you know, Joe Shane obviously contests the phrase shopped or shopping, but it gets out there they had conversations about moving Tony. All of a sudden he shows up, hurts himself basically at the beginning of the spring program, I think it was on the first day that he was there, basically, or first practice that he had, that he participated in, needs an off-season knee procedure, proceeds to miss the rest of the spring, sits out half the summer with a hamstring injury, and then hasn't been available most of the season because of a hamstring, a different hamstring injury. So that's what they thought of that. Now, you say they needed a receiver, they should have made a remove for a receiver, and to a degree, I say, okay, you know, I would have given up a late-round pick, but everyone, Jerry Judy, get Jerry Judy. First of all, we don't even know if Jerry Judy's a real, you know, high-end receiver. He's been okay in his career. He has zero, repeat, zero 1,000-yard season. So, like, you're taking a risk that his production through now with his almost three years is in part because of the situation was down. Now, the easy comparison is to say, look at Buffalo. They traded for Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs was already a proven receiver. He already had 1,000-yard years on his resume. Jerry Judy doesn't have that. Chase Claypool, who went to the Bears, by the way, for an early second-round pick, no way the Giants are doing that, right? He's not proven, number one. Now, maybe you can say, well, Calvin Ridley, that guy, that guy's legit. But there's major concerns that come with Calvin Ridley. Major, major, major concerns. A, he's not playing this year, right? So that's a big risk. So I don't think the Giants are in a position where they want to take that risk right now either. So, yeah, you say maybe a late-round pick for, like, a, a middling receiver. But at the same time, is you don't want a guy who's guaranteed money next year, right? And really, how much does that improve your team? Now, the Giants lost to Seattle. 
on Sunday. Seattle was the better team in that game. They were close. They hung around. But in the end, like there was only close because Seattle actually missed opportunities early. Tyler Lockett dropped a pass. He fumbled at the two-yard line, their own two-yard line. He gave the Giants their only touchdown of the day. Uh, Geno Smith missed uh, DK Metcalf, I believe it was down the left sideline on a play. They uh, had one that Dory Jackson had to make a great play to, to stop a touchdown. So they controlled that game, and that's fine. Look, Giants are 6-2 and two at the break. You got to be happy with that. Who wouldn't have signed for 6-2? and two? I want to know what lunatic out there wouldn't have signed for 6-2. and two. Come talk to me. Because I want to know where you're at before the season if you wouldn't assign for 6-2. and two. Yeah, and everything's great. But I think what I like about this, and this is why I'm – I think not making a trade, while maybe you could have done a smaller end trade, but not making a significant trade is the right move for this organization right now. It's the correct move. We've been saying for years. I've been saying for years. You need to start over. Start from scratch. Like That's how they got in this trouble in the first place. They kept trying to make it work. Remember? Oh, we're going to make it work for Eli. We're going to get bring Eli back at 38 years old. We're going to get him Saquon. We're going to get Golden Tate at 30 plus years old. How did these world, these moves work long term? Like, where has it gotten this team? Got this team in a heap of trouble. And they were terrible. They were the worst team in the, in the league the previous five years. So, you got to start from scratch. You have to start and reset. And that means resetting the money. Right? That's what the Giants are doing this year. That's why they're signing all veterans, veteran minimum guys. right? And the OBA, OBJ dream, which we'll talk about in a little bit, we're going to do a giant Giants after dark, is, is really a big part of the dream. Again, because of situation and money, right? the situation of the organization, where they're at in their retooling. It's hard to call it a rebuild when they're 6-2. And then their money situation. So you don't want to give up high premium picks. Here's why this organization can't, right? The Chicago Bears took a gamble, right? Chase Claypool had a nice rookie year, hasn't done much since. But the Bears could take a little bit of gamble on him. And again, I don't even know if I would have done it if I were the Bears. That's a high second-round pick. The Bears gave up their own second-round pick. That's going to be like, uh, let's say they're the seventh-worst team in the league. That's going to be pick 39. I mean, that's a top 50 pick easy for Chase Claypool, who flashed, but has he really been that good? And teams are getting good second-round receivers pretty consistently these days. Now Chase Claypool, the problem is that, on top of that, is that he already exhausted two of his four cheap seasons. So I'm not giving up a high pick for that because the Giants aren't in position. I know they're 6-2. and two. You're like, well, you don't get in this spot off. They're not winning. They're not a Super Bowl contender. We have to be realistic. And one wide receiver. A Chase Claypool is not putting the Giants in Super Bowl contention. And even Jerry, Jerry Judy, that's not putting the Giants in Super Bowl contention. They have holes on the roster. They know it. They're realistic. I spoke to people in the organization over the past few weeks. They are well aware. They have holes all over the roster. Think about it. Tight end. Yeah, Daniel Bellinger, nice piece, but they're not especially good at tight end. Wide receiver. We know they're pretty terrible there. Interior offensive line need needs work, no doubt. They don't have a high-end starter in there, not even close. Um, inside linebacker, you know, I spoke to a personnel executive the other day who told me they don't have a per, they don't have a, a, an inside starting inside linebacker on their entire roster. The Giants, you know, cornerback too. Fabian Moreau's done a good job, but he was uh, picked up a couple days before the start of the season. You know, they need and even you want to go Darnay Holmes in the slot. I mean, they have serious needs. At, at the cornerback position moving forward. So this team has holes. It's not just one. It's not just two. So, okay, let's fill one of our holes 
you know, we'll be fine. No, no, no. They understand where they're at. They're realistic. Joe Shane is realistic where this roster is at at this point. Compete for the present, build for the future. That's essentially the motto of him and Brian Dable this year. That's what they've been saying. And that's the right approach. The Giants can't be giving up those premium picks, with you know, day one or two picks, because, like the Bears can, because they have Justin Fields. Right? They at least drafted their quarterback. Let's assume they think he's their quarterback. They're at least going to build around him. The Giants still have an unknown, right? We don't know with Daniel Jones. Yes, he's played better. Is it a lock? Is it 100% that he's their, their quarterback moving forward? What if he gets injured in the second half of the season? And now it's the fourth straight year he's been in, he's been injured and missed games. How are you going to fill that quarterback position if you're the Giants? You need to keep all your assets. Hoard all your assets. That's why not making a deal at the deadline, in my opinion, at least a significant deal, was the right move. All right, let's get to this Giants, this giant Giants after dark that we're going to do here. All right, on to the next one. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Ah, yes. It's time for your favorite part of this podcast, where I answer all your deepest, darkest, Giants questions in Giants After Dark. We're going to start on Twitter from a question from Mendy Mag. says, it sounds like the Giants don't think they're one player away. How many players away are they? Yeah, that's a good question. Um... Because I, I mentioned that before, that that's the reason why they didn't make any big moves, right? Because they don't think they're one player away. I think they think they're around a handful of players away. You know, we're not talking star players. We're talking uh, maybe two big free agents and let's say two draft picks. So let's say four players away. Something like that. Like there's they're still, like I said multiple multiple positions like if you add a wide receiver to this group is that enough offensively probably not right and then god forbid i mean think about it for a second if saquon barkley gets injured right he plays a position where you look around the league everybody gets injured at that position he's already been banged up let's say he has to miss a couple games what do they look like now I mean, you need a lot more weapons than the Giants ultimately have long-term in order to compete in today's NFL. I mean, look at look at the best teams, the Eagles. What did the Eagles do? Eagles went and they 
stockpiled weapons, right? They drafted Devonta Smith last year. They signed a, uh, they traded for AJ Brown this offseason. They have Dallas Goddard. Uh, Miles Sanders is a quality player. I'm mean, you're talking about like four really solid weapons, and that's not including their quarterback who can run. Now, obviously, the Giants' quarterback can run as well, but that's a lot of playmaking. And look how much better it's made them. Uh, in addition to the fact that they have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. So there's a there's a long way for this Giants team to go. Uh, at Big Blue Insights asks, who will be the punt returner for this team? Yeah, that's a really good question because I don't think they know the answer to that. They know Richie James is not the answer. You know who took the last punt return in the game the other day? Darnay Holmes. I would have bet anything. Anything. It says Darnay Holmes, from what I saw the last few years just catching punts, you know, in practice, would have never in his career, never in his entire career, been put back for a single punt return. I mean, it's not Darius Slayton's strength. Like, I, I honestly, I think you might look to the practice squad. The guy they picked up, the, the Hard Knocks guy, Pimpleton. I'm probably botching his name, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's their punt returner this week. I really wouldn't. They do not have an answer, a punt returner, and they know it. Uh, Curmudgeon68 asked, How do you think Joe Shane will handle Leonard Williams' bloated contract, particularly with Dexter Lawrence due for a new deal? That's a ton of money to dedicate to the D-line, particularly with decisions to be made regarding Jones, Barkley, and Andrew Thomas. Yeah, no, I agree. See, here's the thing with Leonard Williams. Good player. Real good player. Not a great player. Cap hit next year. Wait for this. $32.26 million next year. Leonard Williams! Thanks, Dave Gettleman. Yeah, seriously. 30. Two million. I mean, that's. I, I gotta look up Aaron Donald. I'm pretty sure that's more than what Aaron Donald will cost and against the cap next year. Thirty-two million dollars. That's gonna be tough to keep him at that price. And they already restructured a couple times, so I'm not sure that they could even redo it. You know, the only solution here to keep Leonard Williams might be to ask him to take a pay cut. Is he really gonna want to do that? How I mean, I, he's a guy I think really does want to stay in New York. He spent his whole career here. He's really happy here. I mean, him and Dexter Lawrence, he's close with him. I, I could see him wanting to stay. But does he really want to take a pay cut? Does he really want to, you know, I mean, they, there's no other way to continue to contort this contract. I think the Giants saved $12 million if they end up cutting him. Could be the solution because, yeah, Dexter Lawrence is eventually going to get a new deal. Right, that's going to be in the next year or so, and you're better off locking up some guys like like Dexter Lawrence, like Julian Love. Who, the earlier you do the deal, the better deal the team gets. Right, if you wait till the last minute, you wait till they they're right on the verge of free agency, where they could then go shop themselves. That's when they get the most money. Remember, Landon Collins was like, "Oh, you couldn't pay him that deal." Yeah, of course. Once he hit free agency, and other teams could start bidding for him, the price goes up. Uh, let's go to Instagram where we have, uh, 
Antonio18 says, what are you hearing on these guys, and do you think they are back after the bio? Shane Zimenez, uh, Cordell Flott, Evan Neal, Bellinger, Nick Williams, Kenny Galladay, Shane Lemieux, Matt Parrott, Rodarius Williams. Uh, I'll tell you the people that I know. Um, oh, shoot. Somebody just texted me and it popped up on my phone and knocked the question away. All right. Shane Zimenez, I think there's a chance he's back. Uh, Cordell Flott, also chance he's back. Evan Neal might be another week or a few weeks. Uh, ditto, uh, I want to call him Clay Bellinger or Cody Bellinger. Uh, ditto Daniel Bellinger, probably another few weeks. Nick Williams, that didn't look good. Uh, he hurt his biceps. We'll learn more on that in the next coming days, but I, I, it didn't look good for Nick Williams. Uh, Kenny Galladay has a chance. Fingers crossed is what Joe Shane said about that, so I think there's a good chance he's back. Shane Lemieux might start practicing. Uh That'll take a little while, though. That's not one where he'll be back and playing the, the against the Texans. Matt Parrott getting close, and Radarius Williams also, I, I think, getting closer. So, But again, these guys haven't done anything for a while, so I wouldn't expect them to come and start playing huge snaps. Like Ellerson Smith came back last week, and you play like a handful of snaps. So I think that's kind of what you get. At Carson Hageman, this is the question I wanted to get to before. Uh, also on Instagram says, does Dexter Lawrence play make it easier for the Giants to move on from Leonard Williams and his contract after the season? If so, how likely do you think that is? Yeah, and I do think that's part of the equation there. The fact that Dexter Lawrence is playing at such a high level that he's able to push the pocket consistently. He might even be, right now at least, he's been a, he's a better pass rusher than Leonard Williams. I do. I think it, it makes it easier to get off Leonard Williams and to move on. Yeah, you'll have to add to those positions. But as we've seen time and time again with the Giants organization, they've done a pretty good job of adding interior defensive linemen through the draft. And uh, it could be something that they end up doing moving forward because, man, $32 million cap it. But, yeah, Dexter Lawrence is playing great. My question with Dexter Lawrence right now is, and he's a really good player. He was always a good player. I always thought he was a good player, but with minimal pass rush. His pass rush win rate has essentially doubled this year. Doubled from his first three years. Is it sustainable? I'm interested to see. I think there's probably a middle ground. Because for somebody just to all of a sudden double it, and I know they're using him a little differently. They're using him as more of a natural nose tackle. But still, for his pass rush win rate to double, it seems a little much. So I think there's probably a regression to the mean here. He's probably somewhere, he probably improved, but not double. So there's probably a middle ground between, okay, what he was previously, what he's doing now, and it's still a pretty darn good middle ground. But I'm curious, let's see how the season plays out, the rest of the season, for Dexter Lawrence. Uh, at Nick Rose says, also on Instagram, do you think Nick Gates will start at left guard or center in the next couple weeks? I wouldn't say center. John Feliciano, I think, is the center unless he gets injured. Left guard, that's a different story. Now, I think if it wasn't coming off such a major serious injury, they'd be more likely to put Nick Gates at left guard, right? Rookie Josh Azudu's been starting. Ben Bredesen's probably might getting closer, but it might be a couple more. Uh, no, it is a couple more weeks from because they put him on IR. So he's got at least a couple more weeks there. And Josh Azudu, like, run, he's decent, pass, like, he's a rookie, so he's going to have his struggles. 
the Giants, if they had their druthers, I mean, they said a couple weeks ago, offensive line coach Bobby Johnson basically said, yeah, it's probably better. Like, we chose Brem Bredesen to start. Uh, Zudo's not really ready. You know, it would probably be beneficial for him to sit and, and uh, learn and build for a little bit. And then Bredesen gets hurt, and next thing you know, you have a Joshua Zudo starting. So not ideal. But do you really want to play Nick Gates, who is not is probably more comfortable at this point at center, who got hurt playing guard, right? Is it really the right move to put him at left guard? It's a tough decision. So I think I think it's something that they'll consider. Not sure. We'll have to see. They'll, they'll probably have to decide what they see in practice if they were if they're willing to pull the trigger on that. At Timothy Cruz, T.W. Cruz from Twitter says, Love the pod, long-time listener. On the 2022 Giants, what's something you like, something you wish, and something you wonder? Well, something I like is the the way that they call plays. There's something about the way that this new regime calls plays. And you see, like, you think, you, you look at the Giants and you see their formula to winning, and you're like, oh, they're better units, probably the defense, right? Well, statistically, the the worst unit is the defense. The offense, mind you, if you go by efficiency, if you go by EPA, they're basically a top 10 offense. So are they explosive? No. Does it lead to points and yards? No. Can they just go back and pass it? No. But they're very efficient in what they do. And a big part of that is, yes, Daniel Jones is playing very well. We've talked about that many times. But their play calling just makes sense. There's a rhyme and a reason, and Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, the head coach, who's obviously involved in that, deserve a ton of credit. Everything they do has a purpose, whether it's running a certain play out of a certain formation and then looking to come back and run something different later on down the line out of that same formation, or when they like something and it's working, running it seven times in a row as they did with that run play a couple weeks ago, right, in Jacksonville. I mean, it's just impressive to watch them call plays. You're like, okay, I get that. And I know people killed them for one of those, I believe it was a second or third down run, a play that just got completely blown up uh, in Seattle. But you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, their play calling, especially offensively, has just been unbelievable. Now, something I wish, I wish they had an alpha receiver, right? The Steph Diggs for Josh Allen. The A.J. Brown for Jalen Hurts. Because we want to see really what Daniel Jones is. And we're getting a taste of it. But don't you want to see what Daniel Jones can be with a real solid team around him, with a number one receiver to throw to. Like, where? who's the number one receiver that Daniel Jones has ever thrown to? Golden Tate? Sterling Shepard? I mean, I love Sterling Shepard as a player when he's healthy. Has he? Is he really a number, a true number one receiver? Kenny Galladay? We know that hasn't been the case. Like, where is the real alpha receiver? And, like... People are always like, well, you know, they look back at certain teams and like, well, Tom Brady never... Tom Brady, by the way, and I think this always gets lost. Tom Brady always had Gronk, pretty much, right? For most of his career. A good chunk of his career had Gronk. So he had a Hall of Fame tight end. So maybe he didn't have... And I know he had Randy Moss at one point. He didn't have the alpha wide receiver. 
But at least you have an alpha receiver, like a guy you know is just going to dominate, win. You can get him the ball. It doesn't matter if it's at tight end or if it's at wide receiver. And the, even the Eagles for a long time. Like they had Zach Ertz. Dude was a, was a top, top-notch receiver. And that's a story, you know, for another day. But, I, I you know, the uh, getting your number one receiver being uh, at the tight end position, it's just it's extremely cost-effective. Extremely cost-effective. And uh, Daniel Bellinger, nice player, but not that kind of receiver. Like he can make plays when you scheme him open. He's not a guy who's going to win one-on-one consistently. It's not what he not what he did ever. Maybe he can develop into that, but and it's not what they're doing with him now or this year as a rookie. So I don't see him being that guy. But Daniel Jones having a number one receiver definitely is something I wish we saw. And it's something you wonder. Uh, I wonder, you know, just like you, how they're going to handle Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley this offseason. Do you really want to invest in a running back is the question with Saquon Barkley. And the question with Daniel Jones, I think, is no longer can he play is good. The question is, and I've felt this for a long time because I always thought he could play and be a, a starting quarterback, but is he good enough to build around? That's the question that we have to look at with Daniel Jones. Is he good enough to build around? At Ryan O'Hare, next question says, do you look to extend Andrew Thomas after this year considering how he has improved each year? Or try to wait one more year and utilize the 50-year option first. Yeah, the Giants ha- don't have to rush on that one. They have time. Uh, but you look, you try and work out a deal that works for both sides. That pays them a lot of money. Remember, the cap's going to fly up in the next couple of years. So if you do a deal this offseason, two years down the line, you're going to look at it and say, wow, that's a bargain. So I think that's the kind of situation that you want to end up with with Andrew Thomas. So it's definitely something you address this offseason. Whether they get something done, that's a different story. But he's your left tackle. You're sold on him. You're going to extend him. You you don't let left tackles walk, especially young left tackles. And he's the one guy on that line you know you can trust right now. Like Evan Neal, you hope he gets there, but he certainly hasn't played that way this year. But Andrew Thomas, you don't have to worry about him. He's he him and him and Saquon Barkley are the two best players on this team this year by a wide margin. By a wide margin, I know people are like you. I have been on me a little bit because I haven't given Andrew Thomas enough credit because uh, I left him off my list of you know the top five Giants at one point. But that was I, I admitted that was an oversight. But he is there. Uh, Dexter Lawrence is in there too. Those are the Giants' best players this year: Saquon, Andrew Thomas, Dexter Lawrence. No one else close. At Mike Petro, MJP2275 said, Shane Lemieux supposedly had a toe issue. This must have been really bad for him to be out this long and us not hearing anything. Have you heard anything? Maybe he could have pulled a Ronnie Lott and cut the toe off. I don't think people realize how bad toes in- toe injuries are. Like, you hear turf toe, it seems like a nothing injury. Ah, you know, you, you stubbed your toe. But when guys get turf toe, you talk to them all the time, it sucks. It's a bad injury especially for 320-pound guys. Now, Shane Lemieux ultimately had surgery on his toe, and that's why he ended up being out a lot. Think about it. He was on a scooter in a locker room. If you hurt your toe, you don't just go and need a scooter. If you have surgery, you need a scooter. But he's getting back. He's getting healthy. 
I think we're getting close to seeing Shane Lemieux. Uh, so get to that. Uh, we'll get to that in the next few weeks here. But uh, we're getting close to seeing Shane Lemieux, but that doesn't necessarily mean, okay, he comes back and plays right away. He's going to need time to build up. Roger Samick, uh, Robert Samick, sorry, says several videos show open wide receivers even when Jones has time, yet he fails to see them. Two glaring examples in Seattle game. TV announcers often say he missed an open wide receiver. Everyone blames the OLs or wide receivers, but the film do doesn't lie. Staff has to see this. Your thoughts about his future. Uh, let me tell you this. I've covered multiple teams. I've covered multiple quarterbacks. I've watched all 22 film games of Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. You name the quarterback, you know, Patrick Mahomes, they miss guys all the time, right? I could find you film of every quarterback and guys running on the field open, okay? Now, obviously, it's all relative. First of all, Daniel Jones is not comparable to those guys. But I'm telling you, when I watch the film, you don't see a lot of guys just running wide open all the time. And trust me, there's certain teams, I'm, I'm telling you, certain teams with bad quarterbacks but good receivers, you'll see you could go pretty much to every play and find an open receiver. Now, there's a lot of things that go into it. What's his read? What's the protection? What's he looking for? Right? So sometimes, yeah, a guy's open open, running down the right sideline, but his first and second reads are on the left sideline, and it's really hard to get over to your 4-3. Right? Or you get, a pre you get pressure from the interior, it moves you off your spot, you're now on the left hash. You can't really throw the ball against your body all the way down the right sideline. There's a lot of things that go into it. Now, yes, I'm defending Daniel Jones. Does he miss open guys? Absolutely. But I'm telling you, I've watched enough film to know that every quarterback misses wide open guys. I don't think you look at it and say Daniel Jones has missed a ton of wide open guys, especially this year. Because to be honest with you, the Giants receivers do not win. I looked at a whole bunch of plays that I was looking for the other day because, remember, he got sacked a lot. A whole a bunch of those plays. And I'm thinking to myself, man, where is the open guy? Who is getting any separation here? And more often than not, it was the, it was that end of it. I thought the line actually played pretty well. It was more of, man, the receivers aren't getting open. Not necessarily the offensive line this time, but the receivers not creating enough separation or, uh, I mean, look, it is what it is. Look who he has on the field. I mean, at times, there's David Sills, Marcus Johnson, uh, you know, Chris Myrick and Tanner Hudson. I mean, what are we, what are we talking about here? Uh, at Schnetzer Jake says, Why has Wandale Robinson not been as involved as we were expecting the last two weeks? Thanks for the good work, Jordan. Here's what I'll say to that, Jake. He's a rookie, Right? He's a second-round rookie. He's not going to go in there and dominate every week. Like, he's learning on the job. Like, I think realistically, you would look for, like, 60 catches, 800 yards right in his rookie year, and you'd be like, okay, that's that's a pretty good rookie year for a second-round slot-wide receiver. The problem is the Giants don't have a wide receiver one, and now we're looking for more from him than really we probably should. And, I, and so, yeah, are there going to be games where, you know, the other teams are looking at it too saying, hey, we're not really worried about any of these other guys. Let's make sure we keep an eye on Wandale Robinson. Let's make a sh make sure we, you know, almost double and bracket him in the middle, which is crazy to think about. 
a rookie slot wide receiver is getting might get that kind of attention, even even if it's a handful of plays a game, right? But that's the reality. That's where this wide receiving core is at. So you just got to be patient with him. I, I don't th- I don't think he's a guy who's every game going to get a ton of passes. And look, he's a small guy. You can't just go and he has to. There has to be space for him to for him to do damage. And also the week before, remember they ran the ball the whole game, the whole second half they ran the ball. He had a big first half, and then they ran the ball the whole second half. I think they, I think they threw eight passes the whole second half, or eight dropbacks. At Jacob Mendez twenty, uh, Jacob Mendez two says, it seems the Odell to Giants news is heating up. I still think it's highly unlikely. Do you think there's a chance of it happening? If not, where does he go? Okay, I agree with you. I still think it's highly unlikely. Here's the situation: Odell Beckham Jr. Okay, he's coming back from injury. He's not going to just accept a short one-year deal and play out this year, right? He wants to get some guaranteed money for moving forward. He's going to look for a deal, you know, a three-year deal, get some guaranteed money, and try to go to a good team. Now, are the Giants a legit Super Bowl contender? Mm, probably not. I could say no. I feel like no. Maybe he, you, you can convince him, okay, maybe. Now, I do think he would want to come to New York, play with Saquon, Sterling Shepard, although Sterling Shepard, it's questionable whether he ever plays another snap with the Giants. Uh, But those guys are really close friends still to this day. So I think there's, there's an allure for him coming to New York. But let's look at it from now from a Giants perspective. You say, oh, the Giants need a wide receiver. They need a wide receiver. They need a wide receiver. Oh, yeah, I get it. They need a wide receiver. Are they willing to invest money in a guy who's, what is he? He came out in 2014. He's probably 21 then. So we're talking about almost uh, eight, nine years. So he's closing at right around 30. So around the 30-year-old receiver, who, by the way, has tore his knee, same knee, twice in the last three years. Is that the investment the Giants are going to make? Like, you're going to invest in him. Okay, that's going to be our number one receiver moving forward. I don't think that's realistic. Odell Beckham was not the number one receiver last year in Los- for the Rams. He's a complimentary receiver at this point of his career. And that's assuming he stays healthy. So I'm not sure it's the right move for the Giants. Okay, we're going to invest money in him, right? Because you're going to have to give him some guaranteed money for the next year or two after this. And... He's not the move the Giants make to, you know, okay, we need to make this move. This is this will get us over the top. This will get a, make a Super Bowl contenders. Again, I don't think, especially a guy who hasn't played all year, coming back in November, December, probably even closer to December, in December. Like, he's going to come back and be your number one receiver? I don't even think that's realistic. I really don't. So where does he land? I mean, if Green Bay can, you know, stay afloat to me that's the spot because they're desperate right so they're desperate for wide receiver help so there's a team that could okay they could then commit money to him beyond this year because they need him that badly now i don't know if they get it right but to me that makes sense buffalo obviously if he just wants to uh you know go along for the ride that's one that's been mentioned but i I don't know i don't see odell in Buffalo. I know Green Bay is tough too to kind of imagine. Or how about the Los Angeles Chargers? 
right? Keenan Allen can't get healthy. They don't seem to have much more after Mike Williams. I know they got Palmer and they got a bunch of other guys. They just haven't, and Carter, but they just haven't done it. So how about that as a sneaky option? Curtis Taylor. There's a sentiment floating around that Galladay's issue has been more lack of effort than injuries. What's your take on that based on what you've seen in camp practice, etc.? Does he still have the ability to contribute or is he dogging it maybe a little bit of both? Uh, yeah, I mean, he has a natural, like, laziness to him, I think. Or it just, maybe it just looks that way. Like, he that, that's just sort of his personality, I think. But I definitely lean more towards it being physical. That he's lost a step. And that is primarily his problem more than lack of effort. Because if you think about it, so he hurts his knee. Look at the play he hurt his knee. Dude was blocking hard. Tossed his guy to the ground. Hurt his knee on the play. I, I don't necessarily view it as, la- as as lack of effort. I think it's way more... Uh, he's had a bunch of injuries. Hip, knee, hamstring, uh, now knee again. And he was never an explosive guy in the first place. So he loses a little step, right? That little step is huge for him because he didn't have a much margin for error anyway. And now, so he lost a little bit of that, the little explosiveness that he did have. And I think you see a receiver who can't get open. So to me, it's more physical than lack of effort. Now the giants are crossing their fingers again, hoping and praying that they can get something out of him. But remember they didn't even want to play him earlier this year. That's what they thought of him, but they're desperate. So they're going to cross their fingers again and hope they can get something out of him. And I think he can. I think he can get something out of him. I don't do I think he can get a number one receiver out of him. No. But something. Terrell Sr. asks, if you're the GM, what moves would you have tried to make before the tread de- deadline? Also, what free agent would you try to sign for next season? I, I haven't gone and looked at free agents for next season yet. But here's the kind of deal that I would have tried to make if I were the Giants. A late round pick for a proven you know, decent receiver, like a Kendrick Bourne in the world. Now, I know there's some stuff that goes into like a Kendrick Bourne because uh, he get, he has a contract, he gets paid, the Giants would have to juggle money, and I get it. They didn't really want to do that. But I would have tried to get somebody. You know, give up a fifth, sixth rounder, something like that. Like a, a at least a guy that I know is a professional receiver, a Marvin Jones type. Like Marvin Jones is on the uh, Jaguars. Something like that. Now, the only way the Giants, I guess, could have probably done it is if it was a guy on a rookie contract who's like that. Like a decent, good player, not a great receiver, but somebody who's on his, still on his rookie contract. But those are harder to find. That's the problem. Right? Because those guys are still cheap, young, and effective. Teams don't want to get rid of them. And if they're a decent player and you want to get rid of them, you could just essentially he'll walk and you'll get some kind of comp, comp value, compensatory pick, comp value for him. So it was a really tough thing to pull off. But if I were Joe Shane, that's what I would have been trying to accomplish. Uh, Big Data Beltre, this is the last one, says, Before the season, you said DJ, Daniel Jones, had a 45% chance of coming back. By the way, I was on the high end. No, I think everyone else was like a 20%. You know, I've been on the Daniel Jones thing for a while. At the halfway mark, where do you stand on his chances? Yeah, I think they definitely have risen. 
above 50% for sure. Probably in the 60, 65% range. Six, let's say 65% right now. Because the question, like I said before, is still, is this the quarterback you want to build around? Do you like him enough to build around? But And, and, I, and I think I, that'll be a tough one to convince. But at the same time, there's other scenarios. And this is what I mentioned at the time. This is why I had it at 45%. There's other scenarios where it might work. Where you might want to bring him back for two years. You know, you might want to use the franchise tag on him for one year. All right, do it one more year. So what, we have to pay $30 million. We're going we're gonna to have plenty of money. We'll be able to create money all over the place. We don't know. The uh, Leonard Williams, the Dory Jacksons of the world, uh, you name it. All over the roster. There's guys that, you know, they can they can get off of. And they probably will. Kenny Galladay, obviously. So I'm up to 65% on Daniel Jones right now. There's there's a bunch of scenarios where you can envision him returning. And the more games you win, the more likely he is to return. That's reality. Giants win 12 games. I don't think they're winning 12 games. But let's say they win 12 games. You're going to go sell to ownership? We want to get rid of this guy? Well, you just showed you can win 12 games with this guy. 11 games with this guy. 10 games with this guy comes a lot harder to just straight get rid of him. Now, you'll have to find a deal that works for both parties. You're not giving Daniel Jones uh, four years, $160 million, right? You're not giving $40 million a year for Daniel Jones. That's, that's not happening. So with that being said, 65%. That's it for all the questions. On to the next one. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. All right, let's wrap up with a quick Jordan on the beat. This is the portion of the episode where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, work for the NFL, or work for ESPN in general. And uh, there was one more question that I didn't answer. I'm saving for this. It's at GiantFan1156. He says, Jordan, any update on your field goal bet with the biz? Well, let me tell you what happened, okay? I was uh, at my daughter's middle school soccer practice, and they were supposed to have another their travel team soccer practice after. That was end up being canceled. So we decided to stay and do some shooting and, you know, 
work with the girls. So I'm running, basically running like a pseudo practice. And I hit probably 100 crosses to the girls, okay? No big deal. Feeling fine. I We're almost done. I go to hit a shot on goal by myself. And as I step, I feel my quad pop. Yes, I'm old. Yes, I'm pathetic. Yes, basically, I pop my quad. But I end up just a pulled muscle. Feeling better this week. Enough, well enough where I can play golf. Not kick yet. So I'm 10 days out right now. So we're close. Probably another week or two I could get back and start, you know, thinking about maybe kicking. So I haven't gotten to the point he obviously biz, Chris, Bizignati, bet me that I couldn't hit a 30-yard field goal. And as the long snapper Casey Kreider said, like, look, no pressure, but uh, eight 10-year-olds hit that. True point. Good point. Which makes me even more nervous about it. Eight or 10-year-olds hit it. Obviously, a lot of pressure on me. I should definitely hit it. If I don't, it's pathetic, and I will be ashamed of myself. All right, that's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. As always, like, subscribe, tell your friends. You can reach me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, I don't know, email. If I forgot anything else, let me know. Uh, I'm Jordan Ronan. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.